Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, including five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point: The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Jess. In, um, and I know as soon as you get around to it, you are going to redo that recording because we all know my latest book is Abundantly Well. I'm back from Wisconsin. You remember last week I was out in Wisconsin with that wonderful group of green witches. And now I'm back here with the new apprentice, Cassandra, who is not so new anymore. As a matter of fact, she made a really great salad tonight. She is getting it. And spending magical time in the forest with the goats, yes? Yeah, 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 yeah magic, magic all around. And Eagle Song 
was at the conference, and she did a class on Cottonwood, Willow, and Linden. Already sounds great, doesn't it? Yes. And did you know that Willow and Cottonwood were in the same family? No. Me either. So, that was quite a lot of fun. Three trees that I love. So, what have you been up to, Marcy, right? Yes. I'm studying for Rebecca. Yes, covering for Rebecca, Uh, who is off enjoying herself doing something besides this tonight. And I am, I just got back from a trip to L.A., which is in full bloom compared to this the island in Maine that I live on. So it was nice to experience a, a full-blooming spring. And I was told, I just moved here recently and was told that the foraging is not great to do on this island because of the military pollution back in the day. And there's a lot of lead in the soil. So that was really disheartening news to hear. And I think I need to get my soil tested soon. But I don't, yeah. Yes, you do need to get your soil tested. And there's two direct things that you can do. One, we know that seaweed, especially kelp seaweeds like wakame, kombu, and neriocystis kelp, take lead out of the body. And I have seen it take lead out of children's bodies really fast. Oh, awesome. Uh, uh, Sweet is easy to use. It's better cooked than not cooked, but however you use it, it will help get the lead out. Also, I worked for um, a year with a program called Gardens for All. And our mandate was to put gardens in places where there weren't gardens, but ought to be gardens. As a matter of fact, one of the things that came from the Gardens for All program, which I don't think exists anymore, was that most um, schools in the United States now have gardens. Mm-hmm. And that was part of our mandate, was to get gardens in schools, in retirement communities, in homes for crazy people, all kinds of places. So... We would garden, like on median strips, we would garden in abandoned city lots, and there was lead in the soil. And what we found by testing the plants, because the program had money to test, was that the more organic matter there was in the soil, the less likely the plants were to uptake that lead. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like human beings. The healthier the diet, the less likely the body is to absorb things it doesn't need. That's great to hear. And Maine is the land of seaweed, so um, the the cure is nearby. Exactly. <laughs> you said you're on an island. Yeah, Peaks Island. There's, there's like five islands off of Portland, and Peaks is the largest, and it's an 18-minute ferry ride from Portland. Hmm. 
and that you just moved there. Yeah, not that long ago in the fall, in October. So the first year. Wasn't it an expected and desired move or unexpected? Fairly unexpected, but we had had our eye on the island after visiting and felt like the lifestyle was was right for us. You know, we're more adventurous. We can take kind of the hardships of living more in the elements, a lot more walking, a lot more being outside. And the commute is really part of the joy of living here. And it's been a really great fit. Great. All right. Yeah. How many apprentices do you have right now? Right now, it is Cassandra. And I want to mention that tonight we are going to be... Oh, that's not true. (laughs) I was about to say who we're going to be talking to because I asked Michael to print out the script for me, but he printed out the script for June 11th. Do you want me to read it? If you would be so kind, I would like that very much. Thank you. You will be interviewing Tracy Turner Kaiser. Uh, She's the founder of Full Circle Family Counseling, and she's a licensed professional counselor. And she has a unique approach to healing families, children, and individuals, and with trauma and PTSD and. Um, she uses forest therapy, and so she's going to be talking to you about trauma tonight. Wonderful. I really look forward to talking to her at 9 o'clock tonight. And in between now and then, we will be answering people's questions. We want to remind you that if you have a question, you need to push one on your keypad or dial or whatever you have there, and that will raise your hand virtually, as it were, so that Marcy can see you and uh, give you the nod to ask your question. Do we have anybody with their hand raised? Yes, we have about four callers with their hand raised, and are you ready for the first caller? Absolutely. Okay, this caller is coming from the 718 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. I am experiencing in the past week some sinus, um, like discomfort, like I just feel like I'm and I was wondering, I'm doing the, um, the infusions, and I started feeling a little better, but I still feel I need something a little, you know, a little more to open up my airway to, you know, breathe properly. Is there anything I can consider taking more of, or maybe even another herb to use? And what was your first choice? 
it, um, should I have more of any of the infusions that I'm so far using or to consider another herb, you know, as a, as an addition? So your sinuses feel congested? Yes. To the point where you can't breathe through your nose? Right, right, yes. Mm-hmm. So it's not just your sinuses. Is there pain from your sinuses? It's like somewhat discomfort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in well, I'll tell you what one of my teachers' favorite okay. things to open the sinuses was. <clears throat> and she had two alternate things you can do. Okay. And the first one is you get ten clothespins. All right. Spring clothes, right? The ones with the spring in it, the wooden ones with the spring. Okay. And you put a clothespin on the end of each one of your toes. Oh, wow. Because that's the sinus point. Hmm. Okay. And that pressure on that point will open the sinuses. It usually hurts if your sinuses are clogged to put clothespins. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she devised another way to activate those points that doesn't hurt quite so much. And that involves one pan of ice water and one pan of very hot water. Okay. And each pan has in it a face cloth, a washcloth, a square of material. And you alternate. You put your feet in the ice water and you put the material in, that was in the hot water and you wring it out and you put it on your sinuses. Probably have to fold it up. And then when you can't take your feet in the cold water anymore, you put your feet in the hot water and you put the cloth out of the cold water on your sinuses. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you switch off. She called it pumping the sinuses. Okay. Sounds really great. And, of course, eating horseradish moves a lot of energy up through the sinuses and can open them up very rapidly. Mm-hmm. So there you have several things that you should be able to do. Thank you, Susan. That definitely sounds like a plan. Thank you. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Yeah, good night. Okay, the next caller is coming from the 859 area code. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question uh, about intention setting and speaking. Basically, I've been doing some introspection, trying to determine uh, sort of the next phase of my life and how I want to focus. And I, I haven't really... In the past, I've, I've usually had a good sense of when something felt like it was the right direction to be moving in. Um, 
but in this case, I've not really come to that place, and I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for uh, meditations or anything like that. One effective, I would call it more of a visualization, is to allow yourself to move into a meditative state or a state where you can access intuitions and visions and other things within yourself. And that might be by listening to music or by breathing or by chanting. It doesn't have to be a really big deal. But to find that state of openness, that state of being in the flow. And imagine that you're seated in front of a big box or a stage or the outside of a house. And the big box will open by a sliding door that pulls up so you see the bottom part before the top part. And the curtain of this stage will open by being pulled up, not to the sides, but by being pulled up. And even the door of the house is more like a pet door so that you can't really open it that you would an ordinary door but that it too rises from the bottom up. Or you can make up your own thing, but the opening must be closed and there needs to be something that is going to be slowly revealed as the closure rises up. And that something that will be slowly revealed will be yourself in the future. And you can choose how far in the future that will be. One of the exercises for the Green Witch Correspondence Course is to do this and to ask to see yourself five years in the future. And the funniest letter I ever got about this was from a woman who said, you may not remember me, but I started your correspondence course four years ago, and I got to that project, and I saw myself as a midwife, and I'm now graduated from midwifery school, which took me three years, and I'm ready to get to work on the next project. Nice. nice. So she took took definitive action on what she saw. Yeah, Yeah, and that's, you know, that calls on visualization skills and the ability to to do some trance work and to feel confident in that. And if not, and if you're choosing between, say, and I'm just going to make this up, being a race car driver or um, going to New York City to see if you can work in the fashion industry or staying at home and being a gardener, you could assign these three different options, different tarot suits. Hmm. And say, oh, you know, staying at home, 
that's the cups, that's emotional fulfillment, going to New York and seeing if I can, you know, work in the entertainment industry. That's money, right? Mm -hmm. That would be the pentacles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or, or whatever it felt like to you. And then do a tarot reading and see if there's a predominance of any one of those suits. Or, or just pick a card, if you don't want to do an entire reading, if that feels too daunting to you. Say, tell me about where I will be in a year if I choose option A. Tell me about where I will be in a year if I choose option B. Tell me about where I will be in a year if I choose option C. And then if you have the time and the curiosity, where will I be in five years if I choose option A? And where will I be in five years if I choose option B? Where will I be in five years if I choose option C? Yeah. If there are only two things, the fastest way to decide is to flip a coin. Okay. And one must remember that flipping a coin is an aid to discovering what you want to do. Yes? Yes. So you say, heads, I'll do it. Tails, I won't. You flip it and you say, heads, I have to do it. Well, now you know you don't want to do it. Right. The coin isn't telling you what you have to do. The coin is helping you feel into what you want. Absolutely. All right. I hope some of these work for you. Thank you, Susan. You're welcome. Green blessings. Green blessings. That was great. Okay. If you have a question for Susan, please press 1. And the next caller is calling from the 845. Hello. Good evening. Hi. Hi, Susan. Um, I want to talk about Deborah. The um, I I believe it's called Deborah birth control shots every three months. Uh huh. Uh, well, I have somebody that I care about that uh, just stopped their shot after being on it, I think, since she was 16. Uh-huh. Been on it for 18 years. Uh-huh. Um, she's not um, under the guidance of a physician uh, with, with this choice. And I'm just wondering what to expect. Um, she seems to think... Uh, that she's going to make a baby now, and I I seem to think that her system may take some time to reset itself. And I'm 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 uh, also assuming that there might be some uh, need for uh, some some support that. Uh, a hormonal change may may cause cause mood swings or other uh, symptoms that might be terribly bothersome. Do you, do you know um, any information on, on, on this kind of uh, withdrawal? 
from such a long-term program? Well, we certainly see that when women are pregnant and give birth and their hormones change, that there can be emotional consequences. We certainly see that at puberty, when the hormones change, there are definitely emotional consequences. We certainly see at menopause, when the hormones are changing, that there are emotional consequences. Correct. But these consequences, to me, are within the realm of what's normal for a woman. In other words, yes, our hormones change, and yes, our moods change, and yes, our bodies change, and I think I'm more curious as to why she started using the Depro Provera in the first place. Was it simply for birth control or was she having some difficulty with her period that this was prescribed to help with? Simply for birth control. Um, her her mother uh, was strict about ensuring that there would not be an unwanted pregnancy and I suppose she just went along with it uh, to please her mother, and um, I'm sure she also, you know, did not want that. So 18 years, uh, re- I mean, almost I, never I, having her period. I'm going to say that it, it seems to me that she did want that if she's been using it for 18 years. Well, yes. Maybe the first I, 10 years we could lay at the feet of her mother, but even right. then, I mean, from... Once she was, you know, in her majority and over 21, certainly one would think that if she wanted to change that, that she could have. True. So, True. so it, my guess, but I don't know, so I'm not speaking from experience, my guess is that nothing much is going to happen. Okay. And... Uh, Again, will uh, will she indeed be able to get pregnant right away now that she's stopped taking birth control? Um, probably not. I think you're right yeah. on that. I don't yeah. know if her system has to reset itself, but her, her system has to stop thinking she's already pregnant. Because that's what oh, birth control that... It makes your body think you're already pregnant. Oh, I didn't know that. Sure. Huh. Because you don't ovulate when you're pregnant, right? Correct. So when you're on birth control, it makes your body think you're pregnant, so you don't ovulate and you don't actually menstruate. So she's almost never had that, though. Uh, Wouldn't her body be terribly confused and take quite a a long time to figure out that, um, that she's, you know, not pregnant and now needs to menstruate? Menstruate? It it depends on how um, healthy her diet is. It's very healthy. In fact, they just cooked up Gardunis last night, the uh, burdock stems. It's it's an Italian dish, I guess. Yes. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they forage and... uh, uh, um, she's not really big into the tinctures or the, uh, you know, the infusions, but, um, she's got a pretty clean diet. And yeah. she eats 
And she eats broadly. She eats yes. fruits and vegetables and grains and animal products, fish. Yes. Everything. Great. Yeah. Then yeah. I would say that it will probably not take her body more than two or three months. Two or three months. Okay. That's interesting. All right. That, that, again, that sounds... again, she hasn't done anything that is confusing to her body. Oh. In most situations in the world, she would have been married at 14. She would have been pregnant all of this time. That's true. I see or your lacking. point. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it, she hasn't done anything abnormal. Okay. So there are. it's not like there's been some consequences to pay. Okay, I'm. I I seem to be the one more worried than she, which is odd. I I don't know why I do that. I take on, uh, I take on worry for people when when they don't have it. Yeah. Why 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 do people do that? What what's my problem well, I, with? You what Elizabeth Kubler Ross told me about that. She said it's a lot easier to set somebody else's life in order than your own. Oh. But it's almost like I'm looking for a problem when there isn't one, or I'm expecting a problem when there isn't one. That too. Or I think something that, something that bad too, yeah. when it's not. And, and it's one of the first lessons that we do with the apprentices in the first couple of weeks they're here, that the golden rule doesn't work. What's the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But others Ooh. don't necessarily want what you want. That's true. I wouldn't want somebody doing that to me. And actually, I've had people do that to me. And, yeah, it's quite bothersome. And I'm keeping this kind of like hush-hush. I'm not expressing it because I know deep down this is wrong of me to be so concerned. Well, I don't, I don't think it's wrong. And let's see if we can tell a different story about it. You're curious. You're That's curious. True. You're curious as to what's going to happen now that she stopped taking her birth control. That That is probably more true. And I'm concerned because her partner uh, is a relative of mine. And I, I'm just concerned how, you know, if something could. Uh, Perhaps your parents express love by being concerned. Oh, yes, they did. So you have picked up the habit of Expressing your love for people by being concerned. Oh, I see. I don't think I like that, though. It, well, unfortunately, like... it doesn't work most of the time. Yeah, no, it's a waste. It seems like a waste of time. And I, I don't want to take time away from other callers either because I call a lot. All and right. I really do appreciate well, it's your a wonderful wisdom. question. I'm glad you asked it. Usually I don't talk about other people's problems with somebody, but this seemed like was going in a very interesting direction that we would all benefit from it. So thank you for your question. Thank you for calling and green blessings. Green blessings. Thank you. Okay, the next caller is calling from the 413 area code. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi there. I'm calling because my left base of my thumb has been bothering me for a few weeks. 
um, like right where it meets the wrist. And uh-huh. um, when it started, I had to think really hard, like, what did I do to cause this? And I remembered that I had fallen and off the kitchen counter, but nothing hurt when I fell off the counter. So I, I'm still unclear if that's what caused it, but it's the only thing I have to go with. Did I ask you but why I mean, you were on the kitchen counter that you fell off and how far you fell? Yeah, I was just trying to get some dust, and I was trying to be a ninja and get up in, like, a fun way. That's all. <laughs> and you didn't and, quite uh, – and you and – you, so it wasn't like you were on the counter and fell off, but you were trying to get on the counter and fell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I did fall on, like, my knees and my hands, and I was just like, oh, wow, I, I got away with that really easily, be, or, you know, with no injuries. Like, And I, did nothing, you put Arnica on the – the areas that might have been hurt? I didn't. I only started Arnica when the pain started in my wrist, in, yep. my, in the base of my thumb. Yeah. And, yep. Yeah, but you haven't been putting Arnica on it since then. Excellent, excellent. Um, my first thought is, since you should have pretty easy access to nettle, is just go out and rub it in the nettle patch. Oh, okay. And see what that does. And if it doesn't work, um, continue with R-I-C-E, rest, ice compression, and elevation. Okay. All right? And something I didn't say is that um, there was never bruising or anything like that. So I, I... You know, I sort of. You like can injure a, a tendon or a ligament, and there won't be any bruising. And typically, if you injure a ligament or a tendon, there's no pain initially, and then the next day there's pain. Okay, that's very helpful. Yeah, come okay. freely. Infusion, of course, is what helps to yeah. mend those ligaments and those tendons, and that can be used internally as well as externally. Yeah, I made. I did a second. Um, infusion of the comfrey the the second soak and i made ice cubes of that and i've been using those to ice it it's so much fun isn't it it is <laughs> a lot and a, again just a little caveat that comfrey has tannins and wherever it drips it can stain yes indeed indeed all right yeah, thank you, because I didn't think of nettle at all, but I will do that. I will definitely. Okay, good. Thanks for your call. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, I don't know if I just muted Susan or not. But the next caller, I think I did. Mute Susan or hung up on Susan. So hopefully she'll call back. The next caller is calling from like a Skype phone. It's a 111 area code. And we're just waiting for Susan to call back. So bear with us. Skype caller, you're on. Are you there? Hello? Is that me? Hi. Yeah. 
Are we waiting for Susan? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for waiting. Where are you? Well, you don't have to say where you're calling from. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there she is. Hold on, uh, Susan. I'll be right there. The numbers skip around. It looks like it's going to be easy, but they just jump all over the page. Susan, call back. And here, here she is. Sorry, Susan. Did you hang up on me? I did. Okay. This is the third time I've called back. It is? Okay. Yeah, you haven't been recognizing my call. Okay, it jumped. I saw it jump around. The number was there, and then it wasn't. Then it was there. Well, because. Because I waited and waited, and then you wouldn't recognize it, so then I hung up and called again, hoping to get your attention. Okay, good. Thank you. All right, good. And So we have another caller with a question. Yeah, hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm so glad. Okay. So um, thank you for taking my call. My um, issue I'm dealing with is noise. <clears throat> And um, I remember you saying, I think it was last week, that you had just read a book about about noise. Um, I've been, uh, my issue is like, I am feeling now like I'm, I'm going to have to leave my home because of increasing noise. There's, um, I don't live too close to industry, but they're running planes over my house now, and there's trains that run all night, and the rumbling is, um, and I'm in menopause, and I've always been sensitive to noise, but now I'm feeling really sensitive mm-hmm. and um and I'm distressed and I'm I'm sad and I'm grieving and I I I love my house. I love that I finally for the last almost 10 years was able to you know plant trees and have relationships with them and so I'm I'm feeling like I'm really going to need an exit plan um to get out of here. And so my my question tonight uh, a couple in a couple ways are are there Herbal allies, you would suggest, that's one question. And the other question is, I have a sort of um, a trigger to when, I, when I'm hearing the noise and there's a million things that I try and, and you know, I have earplugs and noise-canceling headphones, but I'll, some of the noise, um, like my neighbors across the street with their hot rods, it, it, it vibrates my heart and my throat and I feel so ill at ease and there's no... Um, there's nothing I can find that makes that go away. I just have to wait for them to stop. And I've asked them, and they are not working with me. So um, I'm just wondering if there's – and I take um, skullcap and motherwort. Um, so there's that. But I get in this headspace where I'm trapped and I'm freaking out. And um, I'm just wondering if there's some story medicine. So when you're trapped – yeah. Is there any place you can go? Is there a library? Is there a park? Um, When I leave the house, it gets louder because I have to actually go out to where the cars Uh are. Uh Um, So 
so it actually gets worse. But sometimes it's, you know, I'm not dressed, like I'm in my bed if they get up at, you know, 6 a.m. with their car. Um, but I I suppose I could just physically, you know, take my get dressed and take my dog for a walk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, they're still... But it, but they are they're allowed so often <laughs> that I it's really completely it's really understand. Dis- it's disruptive. And, it's disruptive. And my it showers, cer- my eating. Certainly, my- from what you're saying, it sounds like um, you do have to move. Yeah. And that perhaps the best you can do is to give yourself a specific date. I will be out of here by this date, no matter what. And see if that gives you any ease at all. Actually, that makes it worse. Just because where I live, I can't afford to live here anymore, so I would have to give up my job and my friends. And you know, it's it's huge. That adds more stress. Um, it sounds good, but I'm not in a position where I can just. So you so moving is not really an option right now. Um, I need a long. T- yeah, it's more of a long term plan. It's possible that I would. I, I can't afford to get another place like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything's four times. Everything's four times as expensive now, and my income's half what it was. So. I understand completely. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it might be worthwhile to invest in soundproofing your bedroom. Right. I got it mostly done. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Since moving is not really an option and sound counseling, headphones, and earplugs are not good enough, then right. you need to go one step further and make a safe place that you can retreat into. Okay. I've done but, as much as I can uh, But now. I also encourage you to find perhaps a weekend retreat, which is completely out of the noise. I like that idea. Thank you. People say to me, well, how did you get started working, living in Woodstock? I said, well, we started out coming up to the country Saturday morning and leaving Sunday night. And then we started coming up Friday night. And then we started leaving Monday morning. Then we started coming up Thursday night. <laughs> right? As we got ourselves more and more squared away with how we could exist and make an income without being dependent on living in the city. And we were able to segue to our desired country life, mm-hmm. which, when all and said is done, is not necessarily that quiet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've listened to the show when we've been out here when the peepers have been going. Right. But they're quite loud. But to it's, me, it's, it's a different yeah, sound, very much a different sound, far more tolerable than the sound of an internal combustion engine. Exactly, yes. I'm not. I'm okay with some sounds, but it's just... Um, certain sounds and it's almost always machines so yeah yeah. they say that the word anxiety was unknown until trains (laughs) i believe that (laughs) that women reacted to trains and the noise of trains by fainting and by having anxiety attacks it rumbles the ground yeah right yeah so I think that what you're experiencing is very normal. Okay. And that it's your body's way of saying, excuse me, this is really not good for me. And that you somehow have to 
make it up to your body and say, Colleen, gee, I really know this is not good for you. And so we're soundproofing the room, and we're going to do a meditation practice, and once every couple of weeks we're going to get a massage or do this or whatever it is that's going to be really nurturing and healthy for you. Right, until I can sort of and, get out Until here. that day in the future when you, you are able to move to where the loud noises are the loud noises of whippoorwills and frogs. Mm. Well, that's a, yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah. Thank you. You are welcome. Green blessings. Good night. <laughs> Green blessings. Good night. Okay, the next caller is calling from the 847 area code. This is Sarah Ellen. Hi, Sarah Ellen. It's so much fun spending time with you. So much fun. I was so, so happy to see you over the weekend. Um, I came home and unexpectedly, I have a question for you. Um, I went to milk the goat yesterday and um, things felt different. And I'm hoping you might have some advice. Um, So my question is about a dairy goat. Her name is Nanny, and um, so her her udders seem very hard, and um, they felt very different, and the kids are now, they have diarrhea. Um, we took her temperature, and it was 102.5, and she's eating with a healthy appetite, so um, I wasn't sure if there was something going on, but both myself and the other woman who milked the goat um, independently of each other thought something was off with the feel of her udders and the amount of milk that was being produced. It sounds as though she may have an infection in her udder, which is technically called mastitis. After you milk the goat, do you refrigerate the milk? Yes, immediately. And is we it filter sp- it is- just about- is it strained? Yes, it's strained through a paper filter. Paper um, filter. Has there been any residue in that paper filter, or has the milk been moving more slowly through the filter? No, it has not. Okay. Um, one other thing I forgot to mention when there's is... An inf- um, when there's an infection, there are likely to be more white blood cells in the milk, and that slows down the milk's movement through the filter and can even le- leave small amounts of residue in the filter after the milk is passed through. Okay. Not noticing anything like that. Um, and I, so yesterday I was there and didn't notice um, anything other than the feel of the udder and um, the decreased milk production. Today, however, there are two, I think, veins running underneath the goat, and both are very, they look engorged. And, um, I mean, they're very plain through her hair at the surface. And the one on the right is much more full and engorged than the one on the left, but both of them are displaying that. In that situation, what I would do would be to start giving the goat echinacea, four or five drops of echinacea, and I usually put a dropper full of poke root tincture into the bottle of echinacea that I'm going to be giving the goat. I do use a rather than a glass dropper. There is a dental gap in the goat. There's a space 
both in the top and the bottom where you can jaw where you can fit a dropper through and if you're very skillful they won't chomp the glass dropper but I prefer to use a plastic one so I don't have to worry about that difficulty most goats okay. like tinctures but the easiest way to encourage a goat to take a tincture is basically to put her in a headlock Okay. so one arm wraps around the goat's head and tilts her face up a little bit to the side where your other hand is with the dropper of tincture, which is going to come into the side, into that dental gap, squeeze, release, and repeat as many times as you need to. If she's a small goat, three or four dropperfuls. If she's a larger goat, five or six dropperfuls. Okay. When those blood vessels are engorged, I generally want to be giving that dose of echinacea in poke at least every two hours. Okay. And yes, that means getting up during the night. Okay. Mastitis, as you have seen, can proceed very rapidly. And because the goat's udder or breast are at a distance from her heart, those blood vessels you see are the blood vessels bringing the blood from the heart to the udder. As a matter of fact, when you're judging dairy goats, the size of those, the bigger they are, the more milk the goat can give. Mm. But when they get swollen up, it means there's some congestion, there's some inflammation, there's probably infection. And because it okay. is at some distance and the blood vessels have to come that far, the infection can get much worse than it would in a woman much more quickly. Okay. Okay. You could also, take one or two cabbage leaves and boil them whole until they're pretty limp. And then take them to the barn. We usually take them in the liquid they were boiled in. Sometimes we boil it up right before we go to the barn, and we just kind of take the cabbage leaf out of the hot pot and wave it around until it cools off a little bit. And if I can touch it with my hand, it's probably okay to put on the goat's udder. And then I poultice the goat's udder with that cabbage leaf, holding it on with both of my hands across the part of the udder that seems swollen or congested. Okay, that's absolutely doable. We will definitely do that. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I so appreciate your advice on this. You are the most wonderful experts at Turns Heal, and I'm so glad to have you here to talk to you tonight. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you, Sarah Ellen, to be continued. Lots of love, hon. Lots of love. All right. Take care. Green blessings. Green blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sarah Ellen was for the green goddess. Okay. The next caller, let's see, is calling from... 207 area code, that's Maine. Hello. Hello, how are you tonight? Hi, Susan, how are you? Enjoying the gloaming. The sun has set, but there's still enough light in the sky for us to see by, and it's very nice Mm. being outside. It's a sweet time of year. Well, this is Stephanie, and I'm calling from Maine. Hi, Marcy, and hi, Marcy. 
Um, and I'm calling Hi. to get advice about my three-and-a-half-year-old son. We've okay, been, what's happening with him? Well, he has eczema, and it's really flared up now, um, and we cannot figure out how to help him. And I've been doing the, um, for myself and whoever will drink it out of my family, I've been doing the uh, infusions, herbal infusions, and the, he doesn't like anything except I discovered uh, yes last night that he does like the oat straw. And so I thought that could be helpful, but I wondered if you had Certainly. any Certainly, that would be delightful thoughts. for him. Yeah, with a little honey. He loves it, and he's... Hey. Asking for more and more, so I've just been hey. giving, yes. making plenty. That's right. But yeah, and so he can't drink too much, thing. so it's okay. not a problem. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, and do you have any other thoughts, or should I just kind of stick with that and see what happens, or for like you, a to you, heal? Have the, you applied anything externally to the eczema, to the areas well, of eczema? Well, we've, yeah, I mean, we've tried, you know oils and creams and sort of uh, we sort of tried is it a dry eczema no it see this time it seems it's like it looks very angry and it's bubbly yeah like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. and there's no golden patches on it no okay um in general, eczemas are divided into wet eczemas, which this sounds like, and dry eczemas. Okay. And dry eczemas, it's encouraged that oily and wet things be put on them. And wet eczemas, it's encouraged that astringent and drying things be put on them. Yes. Which is the basis of allopathic medicine, because aloe means different. So if something's mm-hmm. dry, we put something wet on it. If something's wet, we put something dry on it. Whereas a homeopath would give you poison ivy if you had poison ivy. Mm-hmm. Because it's homeo that like treats like, the same. So it makes a lot of sense that um, that's what would be done. Your son mm-hmm. is at an age where homeopathic remedies can be very effective, especially if he's allowed to be completely in charge of the homeopathic remedy. Mm. Hmm. He's right at a stage where it's important to him to do things himself. Absolutely. And to take care of himself. Mm. And it is somewhat daunting for him to be taken care of. I mean, there's so much still that we have to take care of them. But mm-hmm. he's getting that sense that he really wants to take care of himself. And so I find that um, if a homeopathic remedy that's going to be effective for him is discovered or um, you find a practitioner who can um, suggest it, or you do some research and you hit upon one, then if he has that remedy mm-hmm. and he can take it whenever he wants to, then it gives him an ally that he's in charge of. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And it's pretty unlikely that it's going to hurt himself with a homeopathic remedy. Right. I love that idea because it's true, and he doesn't like being, I mean, he likes being taken care of, but he wants also to do pretty much everything himself. In fact, you know, thinking about that idea, he might really enjoy, like I've watched your videos with Monica Jean, Monica Jean. Yes, yes. And she really participated even when she was a baby. He would like to make the infusions with me. He would. Yeah. He yeah. would, and he's quite competent and capable of helping mm-hmm. you to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that starts our children off on a lifelong understanding that their health is something that they have to take care of. Mm. It's not something that mommy, daddy, God is going to take care of. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that said, eczema... Um, it is a designation used to cover any uncurable skin problem. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. So it's sort of just a catch-all phrase more than Exactly. Mm. It means, oh, my gosh, I have no idea what we're going to do. We just start <laughs> throwing the kitchen sink at this. Let's start off with some, um, you know, often they'll start off with some kind of... Um, Cortisone cream. Right. Right, to bring the swelling down. Right. Which it often doesn't. Right. And then sometimes they they go on from there to some kind of antibiotic cream to supposedly kill any infection, which it rarely does. Right. So witch hazel is a really excellent primary astringent. Mm. It's freely available at the drugstore. Just mm-hmm. get plain witch hazel. Don't go for the lavender or rose scented or anything like that. Just plain old witch hazel. And that uh, um, Without the alcohol, right? Or with the alcohol? Is okay, it always has think. alcohol and it needs it to preserve it. Okay. Okay. And we want something drying. Yes. And alcohol and witch hazel alcohol together is, would help. That's mm-hmm. what we're doing. If you want just the witch hazel, you'd buy the witch hazel bark, make an infusion, Soak a towel and it's very tannin rich. It's going to dye the towel and apply that. Okay. To the area. If you just want the witch hazel without the alcohol, then you can make an infusion from the dried bark of the witch hazel. But it's really easy to go and get it at the drugstore, wet down like a gauze pad or a, a face cloth, and lay it over the area. Okay. Great. Now, I often say that when we're dealing with skin, that I recognize that the skin is the boundary between what is me and what isn't me. Hmm. Food and breath partake both of what isn't me and what is me. So that when I'm eating, I take what isn't me and I bring it into my body and I make it me. And then the parts I couldn't make me, I get rid of. And they're not me Hmm. again. And when I'm breathing, I'm breathing in things that aren't me and using them for myself and then breathing out things that are me that I don't want anymore. But the skin has a unique position in that it really is supposed to define 
where I begin and end. Hmm. And there are two basic reasons for having skin problems. One is that we feel thin-skinned. We feel like the everything in the world is rubbing us raw. And the other one is that we feel trapped in our skin and we want to break open our skin so that we can get out and enjoy life. Hmm. Hmm. Now, these are not instead of, is there something that he's reacting to? And I am sure that you are turning over every possible leaf to see if there's something <laughs> reacting to. So yeah. we're not even going to go into that because I know you got it covered. But to think about these things in addition to that can bring some mm-hmm. added light to it and some added understanding of which direction you might want to go in. Mm-hmm. There are mm-hmm. so many plants that are really wonderful for, for the skin. Comfrey is wonderful wonderful for the skin. Plantain is wonderful for the skin. Mm. Externally, right? Plantain is external. externally, yeah. Just wonderful. Yeah. yeah. He could even chew it and put it on himself, yeah. He certainly could. Yeah, he would love that, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> he would love that. <laughs> it's messy and fun. Yeah. Exactly. He would like that. <laughs> yeah. He would like it. Yeah. Plantain is such a good choice because it contains some tannins, so it's, it has some astringency, but it also contains some emollients, so it's soothing, so it kind of goes both ways. Hmm. And that's just growing all over the place here, so it's easy. Oh, perfect. You can just pick it. Yeah, yeah. that's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, thank you for those ideas. And that, you that are welcome. Calling and asking, what's your son's name? Henry. Henry, green blessings to you and green blessings to Henry. Thank you, Susan. Green blessings. Thank you, Stephanie. I don't, it took me a while to realize that was my friend. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so good to hear from her. And the next caller we have is calling from the 260 and then if anyone else would like to talk to Susan please press 1 to be in the queue hello hi hi (laughs) thank you and thank you for the presence that you bring to your callers I've been listening for a bit and I wanted to call in with a few questions wonderful I'm so glad you I'm Holly so (laughs) Is this the Holly that I just spent time with in Wisconsin? It is not, but I wanted to come. And Holly, how wonderful. <laughs> I live in Indiana, so I'm not far away, and I found out about the conference a little too late. So I've been studying Thai Buddhist medicine for several years, and inside the, the Thai medicine lineage is my teacher is always trying to teach us about the view. And it's because we live in a Western society, it's really hard for his students here in the States to 
approach the medicine there without the Buddhist view, because you cannot take Buddhism out of Thai Buddhist medicine. And it's been challenging for me to completely surrender, not because I'm un-Buddhist or anything like that, but because I want to learn at a faster rate than what he's teaching. <laughs> and also, I really want to learn about the plants that are around me in the Midwest. So I'm coming back to you and your teachings many years after I first knew about your books. Um, I've been a mom for 14 years, and I had the childbearing years first. So something clicked in me when I was listening to Phyllis Kirat and you speak a few weeks ago. And what I'm calling and what I really want to hear from you is what do you think the view is for the wise woman and those of us in North America studying the plants with you? Well, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by the view, but I think I have explicated it pretty thoroughly in my, my green book, Healing Wise. In Healing Wise, okay. Do you have that book? I don't have it yet, and I've been making my own assumptions about what the view is. You know, not, you know, one of the most basic views, of course, is that we're not separate or evolving separately from the plants. Correct? The plants came way before us. Right. Plants are the ancient ones. They are yes. they are our ancestors. And we are certainly co evolving and living together and impacting and influencing each other, but I don't know that is in and of itself a view. So what I'm doing is I'm making my way into the house to get a copy of that book. As you know, we're sitting outside. Let me go in here to where the books are and grab a copy of that. And we can just go over the um, interior chapter heads on the section about the wise woman tradition. Healing wise has two parts. The first part is about the three traditions of healing. And I speak at length about each one of the traditions, giving quotes and examples, and then really talking about what I call the views of each tradition. In short, mm -hmm. the view of the scientific tradition is that we need to be measured, and then we need to be fixed. Mm. And in short, the view of the heroic tradition is we need to be cleansed and balanced. And in short, the view of the wise woman tradition is that we want to nourish wholeness. The second part of the book is seven of my favorite plants, a 30-page more or less monograph about each one of those. Okay, so here we are in the wise woman tradition. And the first uh, heading is, who is this crippled old black woman? She's the one who brought me here. And the second chapter heading is, the wise woman tradition is invisible. Spoken words are invisible. Mothers are invisible. 
There is no visible structure in the wise woman tradition. Uniqueness is invisible. And the third chapter is the wise woman tradition is a spiral. Mm. And the third chapter says the wise woman tradition is woman-centered. And the next chapter is the power of the void. Wise woman tradition, all health, all coming to wholeness, begins with the return to the void. Mm. And next chapter, the wise woman tradition heals with nourishment. Health, wholeness, holiness comes from adding on to We are not fixing or curing or bringing anything into balance, but honoring, supporting, and respecting. The next chapter is Blood Mysteries. We all come from the same mother. Blood Mysteries teach us to remember that life and healing come from and return to woman, the woman who bleeds and does not die. I'm just reading little select Bits from each one of these, obviously, go on for pages. Holographic understanding is the wise woman way. The whole is more than the sum of its parts. Next chapter, the wise woman tradition says, health, wholeness, and holiness is ever-changing. It is flexibility. It is loose muscles and a quick mind and unlimited curiosity. Wholeness is inclusive, pliable. It expands to accommodate It sees holiness, wholeness, health, and nourishment in all beings. The wise woman tradition is a both and universe. It embraces all possibilities. It accepts all parts of us. There is distinction but not opposition. The wise woman tradition is heart-centered. What happens when we let go of resistance, when we let go of our resistance to illness and death? The wise woman tradition brings all possibilities to the heart's center. It allows the heart's truth to be the right answer. The wise woman tradition loves rough. Just as receptive power seems a contradiction in terms, so does rough love. Compassion, forgiveness, and unconditional love evoke a sense of squishy, soft acceptance to many. In the wise woman tradition, love is rough, real, truthful, and unattached to outcome. In the wise woman tradition, love says no as often as it says yes. Hmm. The wise woman tradition insists on uniqueness. The scientific tradition defines truth as repeatability, and the wise woman tradition says nothing is ever the same. Everything is unique, unique and ever-changing. The wise woman tradition does not insist on fixity, does not look for repeatability or balance. It sounds like I need to buy Healing Wise. (laughs) The next part, there are no diseases in the wise woman tradition. The next chapter, the wise woman never asks why. The wise woman tradition accepts chaos. The wise woman tradition knows health, wholeness, and holiness is ever-changing, so the wise woman does not ask why. There is no goal but wholeness and inclusivity. And that (laughs) brings us to 
There are no cures in the wise woman tradition. There are no rules in the wise woman tradition. And there are no healers in the wise woman tradition. And those are the next three chapters. Thank you. There are no, the only rule in the wise woman tradition is there are no rules. <laughs> the wise woman tradition is about optimum nourishment. The wise woman tradition is a simple approach. Wise woman, witch doctor, green witch. And those are all of the sections about the wise woman tradition. Each one of the traditions, in addition, um, has quotes from notable writers in that tradition because I think it's always important to kind of see what other people are saying. And let's see, where are those? Voices of the Heroic Tradition. This is one of my favorite parts of this book. The mind must be controlled, trained, and directed. Real things are things of the spirit. Daily life being impermanent and continuously changing is unworthy of any thought or attention. In most humans, the digestive tract is filthy. Periodic fasting keeps the body clean. <laughs> Menstruation has its origin in inflammation of the uterine mucus due to a toxic condition of the intestines. <laughs> Menstruation is pathological. A woman stops her monthly loss at an early enough age and her reproductive capacity will persist for centuries. Now, that's somebody who really doesn't know their birds and their bees, eh? Right. These are actual quotes. I did not make any of these up. <laughs> I believe you. Right. <laughs> yes, Unless you change your life, you may anticipate the God's vengeance. Right. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much. I Something... It's something so primal and original inside me. So I feel, I feel happy to be returning, to be returning to you in this way. I do have a few questions. Can I yes, ask? Yes, you, you know, I think it's very important because, without pressing the point home too hard, Buddhism, while it makes room for women, doesn't really honor them. There are moments when I don't feel seen. It's it's exactly. true. Exactly. Yeah. It's true. And to bring yourself to a tradition in which woman includes M A N man, and we understand woman to be an inclusive term, not an exclusive term, and that every man came from a woman's body. Yes. Is to really recognize yourself at a very important level. Thank you. Goddess includes God, but God does not include goddess. Come back to inclusivity. Come back to including everything in the sacred. 
Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling and asking. Did you have another question besides that? I do. The first question has been with me for some time. When I was pregnant with my son, it's been 14 years, I had the pregnancy mask, like the hormonal um, discoloration that became darker in the sun. And I had it again with my daughter, and it hasn't really gone away. So it surfaces again in the summer. So now I'm thinking about it because I try not to get sun coverage on my face, but I know that it's something that I should be addressing, or maybe I feel like I could support in some way. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like you're saying you think that there's something wrong. Well, I don't have great skin, so it's not that I'm exactly vain, (laughs) but it it does cover my entire jawline, and it's something that I notice quite a bit when I look in the mirror, and I notice it more in the summer. Is it even on both sides? I don't think it's completely even. I have it more on. When the you mask. say your jawline, I'm usually it's a mask. Usually it's more on the cheeks and under the eyes and across the bridge of the nose. I did have it quite a bit more when I was pregnant, and I had it, I had it specifically in those areas. Mm-hmm. But after pregnancy, it went away, and I this is all I'm left with, is I have a low lying. So it's right on area. the bone of the jaw. It follows, it's about a two-inch radius, but it does follow my jawline. And is it, yes. it's low, it's not up on your cheekbones? It's not there, no. It's not there, it's just low down on your jawline. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is it doesn't seem wrong to me. It doesn't seem like a malfunction or a disease or something that's indicating that you should do something. It's kind okay. of, you might have stretch marks too. Oh, I have lots of those. <laughs> you know, we're women. Our bodies change. Yes. And when Thank when you. it's part of why the heroic tradition has such a difficult time with women because they're very much into the platonic ideal that only the things that do not change are worthwhile. Mm. Mm. And yes. as women, we must first and foremost assert that we are constantly changing and if you can't deal with it, then how could you possibly deal with a life which is always changing? How could you possibly mm-hmm. think that things are going to be balanced or sit still or be fixed? Mm. Yeah, they're never balanced, are they? They <laughs> never can be. And so you have this reminder of the fact that you were pregnant and had these beautiful children. And yeah. it's if it's okay with you, what I'm saying is it is okay. If it's not okay with you, then it's not okay. But if it can be okay with you, that would probably be the best choice is to just have it be okay. Got it. Exactly. Uh, there are things that one can put on one's skin to bleach it from lemon juice to creams that you can buy at the drugstore to the kind of surgery that Michael Jackson had. (laughs) But I think first and foremost, if it's at all possible for it to be acceptable to you, that that's generally where the most goodies will be. Okay. 
One of my friends at one point said to me, oh, you're so vain. And I, of course, immediately denied it and said, I'm not vain at all. And then we went to the beach in Costa Rica, and I said, oh, my gosh, I'm so vain, because if I looked like that, I wouldn't be wearing that. And if I looked like that, I wouldn't be wearing that. And if I looked like that, I sure would not be wearing that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 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 Now, we all had a space of vanity. Of course, we would like, at the very least, to be acceptable to others in appearance and smell, right? Mm. Mm. At the very least, we do not want, if at all possible, to make each other cringe. Well, I create some skincare. I have a teeny tiny skincare business, and it's funny to me that I'm definitely not the walking face of what I make. And at the same time, though, I think, can it go away? Is it hormonal? Is there something at the origin? So thank you for just honoring that. It's totally acceptable. I'm mostly okay with everything that's happened to me with having children. So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that that's added to the list. <laughs> of course. Of course. course. Yes. Yeah. The more we are exposed to idealized images, the more lacking we find ourselves. Mm-hmm. In you. the islands in the Pacific, anorexia and bulimia were completely unknown, completely unknown to those cultures until westernized television. Mm. And in some of those islands, now up to 30% of teenage girls are anorexic. Mm. Because they look at body shapes on television, which are not their body shapes. Mm. and find themselves wrong. Yes. It's another important thing that we can do as women and that we can do for all women, which is to find ourselves right. Not to bury our head in the sand if there's really a problem that needs to be dealt with. But if it isn't a problem that needs to be dealt with, and it's it's about us to see if we can self right. So thanks for being a candidate for finding yourself right. Thank you. You well, so appreciate your call and your question. Thank you. Do we have time for one more? We have Mar- two more calls. Is there anybody else with their hand raised? Yes, two people in the queue. Let me give them a little shot since I've spent quite a long time with you. Absolutely. I have no problem calling back. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Blessings. Okay, so the next caller is in the 775. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, Back in December, I uh, hit my head, um, and I called you, and you you helped me immensely. Um, I'm doing better, but I'm I'm starting to notice whenever I get nervous or scared or if I'm really tired, I'll say the wrong word or I'll think the wrong word or I I can't um, talk as clearly as I used to. An example would be I I was getting out of the shower and I was thinking, oh, when I put my foot down on the floor, it's going to hurt, you know, have arthritis. And instead of foot, I said, uh, boom. So I've been doing things like that. And um, my question is, you know, since it's been uh, since December, since I hit my head, if it's okay, should I start taking Ginkoba 
or should I just keep? I think I think ginkgo is a good idea. Okay. All right. I I concur with you. I think that that's a good idea. Okay. Thank you. I have one more quick question. You're welcome. Sure. Go ahead. Um, I um, had a fungal ball taken removed from my left sinuses, and uh, the doctor wants me to use Flonase, which is a steroid. And I wanted to ask you if there's any other alternative that I can use other than a steroid to reduce inflammation. He already removed the fungal ball, but he seems to think that there's a lot of inflammation in my sinuses and that I should um, do the Flonase for two weeks. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. What I'm going to suggest you do is get the recording of this show because the very first caller, um, I went into quite a few things you can do to relieve inflammation in the sinuses. Oh, thank you so much. Green blessings. Green blessings. Good night. Okay, the last caller is calling from the 209 area code. Hi, this is Julie. Um, I have a question. I've been um, uh, looking for my green blessings that grow around my house. And I was just wondering if there's a materia medica that tells me the proper way to make tinctures. Like, I have a lot of California poppies, and I wasn't sure which part of the plant I should use. And most of the people around here, they give me conflicting advice that isn't like what you say to do, like, they say 80-proof vodka is fine to use, and I go, no, it's not. <laughs> Susan says it's not. And they look at me like, oh, what difference does it make? But I, do you have a, a, do you have a book, or do you, rather than... I have five books, in, and my sixth one is coming out this fall. Yeah, but does it say, like, okay... Every Cal- single one of my California. books includes ways to make remedies, but none of my books, um, and I don't know that there's any book in print that says this is how you make a tincture of this and this is how you make a tincture of that. So the question you're asking about the difference between 80 proof and 100 proof is fairly easily explained. When we put a fresh plant in alcohol, the constituents of that plant come through the leaves of the plant or the flowers of the plant or the root of the stalk or whatever you're using through a process called osmosis. And osmosis is the desire of fluids on either side of a semi-permeable membrane to be equal. So we okay. have a plant which is 75% water and the other 25% is constituents that we want. 80 proof vodka is 60% water and 40% alcohol. The difference between 75 and 60 is not very great. A little bit of the plant constituents will come into solution in that vodka, but no matter how much more of the tincture you take, you will never get the constituents that you never got. Okay. 100 proof vodka is 50% alcohol and 50% water. And the difference between 75 and 50 is a large enough difference that all of the medicinal constituents will come into solution in your 100 proof vodka tincture. Okay. So, of course, they can make tinctures with 
80 proof vodka? Certainly. Are they going to be effective? Are these people who are using tinctures are their primary medicine? Are these people who use a little tincture here, a little tincture there, and when they get sick, run to the drugstore and the doctor? Right. So my goal is to make you independent of the drugstore and the doctor. So it's worth uh-huh. it's worth using the hundred proof vodka so that you get an effective remedy. I agree. So I think that that was your primary area of confusion. And other than that, so far as I know, use the top part of the California poppy. You harvest it fresh. The flower. The flower. The flowering the top. The top part of the plant, okay. which includes the flower and the stalk and some leaves. And you can chop okay. it up into a jar and then fill that jar right up to the top with 100 proof vodka, label it, put a lid on it, wait six weeks, and use it as a nice sedative and calmative. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Green blessing. I'll, I'll let you go. It's All right. For your interview. Thank you so much. Good night. Green blessings. And we are happy to have with us tonight Tracy Turner Kaiser, M A L P C S B C D M T, the founder of Full Circle Family Counseling PLLC. Tracy is a licensed professional counselor supervisor, LPCS, a board certified dance movement therapist, BCDMT. An infant development movement educator, IDME, an embodied movement yoga instructor, no extra letters, and an American National Forest Therapy Guide, ANFT. Tracy takes all of these modalities and creates a unique approach to healing families, children, and individuals with developmental complex trauma post traumatic stress disorder, physical, sexual, mental trauma, reactive attachment, disorder, depression, anxiety, and more. Tracy combines her spiritual wisdom and forest therapy connection to trees with dance movement therapy, yoga, and psychotherapy with a holistic perspective addressing mind, body, and spirit. Tracy helps empower the family to acknowledge each other despite shame, guilt, anger, and sorrow that has been inflicted among the family. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Quite an introduction. (laughs) You wrote it. I did. I did. I was like, I'm thinking I'm overwhelming myself as as I'm listening to you read it out loud. Why don't we just kind of go through this list and see if okay. we can get some people established here, because I'm sure that many of these things people are going, ha, ha, ha. So, right, right. Licensed professional counselor supervisor. That means you supervise professional counselors. That's right, yeah. So there's an LPC board in North Carolina and, and across the United States for each state, and um, it's licensed professional counselors, and I happen to be a supervisor for those, so I get to supervise those that are becoming an LPC. Um, what so is a licensed professional counselor? 
It's just, um, it's a person with a master's degree in counseling psychology that um, is, it's just a board that allows you to be licensed so that you would can. It, would it be uh, what an ordinary it. person would call a therapist? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, but not yep. a psychologist. Yep. No, a psychologist is a, a PhD or a, or a PsyD, and we're just a master's level, so. Exactly. So this is yeah. a, someone that has not had um, years and years and years of being in academia and hopefully is a little more attuned to real life and yes, can, can do things um, <laughs> that don't necessarily take years and years but actually can show results within a few months. Hopefully, yeah. Um, I think um, behavior modification therapy often shows results very quickly. It does. Um, I'm not a big fan of behavior modification therapy, but I have my reasons for that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very useful. Mm -hmm. um, And it's something that somebody with this kind of license could be doing. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then you get to help to guide and oversee those who are coming onto this path. Absolutely. Rather than Mm -hmm. uh, being the person of terror for those who are already on the path that they might be doing something wrong. Right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm not about shaming or making someone feel wrong. It's allowing someone to get more curious about what what their thought patterns and perception is and give them more skills to be able to attune and um, meet their client where they're at. So. Oh, how wonderful, Tracy. Now, let's see, board-certified dance movement therapist. So you say, come let us samba together. So, I'm yes, teasing. So, used to be, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so it's just a, it's a, it's a fancy just basically saying we're, that, we're, um, that we're a certified, um, recognized dance movement therapist. So each, you know, each organization has the ability to hold people accountable so if I'm part of that board, then there are certain qualifications that I've met in the same way that if I'm, if I'm part of the LPC board, then I've met certain qualifications um, to do the work that I do. So they're just, you know, they're, they're licensing boards, basically. Mm-hmm. And is this um, more related to Isadora Duncan than um, the ballet? It's more Isadora Duncan oriented. Absolutely, when modern dance became um, uh, more famous and and people started to branch out of ballet and and jazz and tap and so forth and moved into modern dance, they began to realize that they were having a lot of feelings and emotions and that this expression of movement um, was really healing. And from there, dance movement therapy um, originated. So that is definitely Isadora Duncan oriented as it is Martha Graham oriented and... Um, Janet Adler oriented and Bonnie Cohen has, has been a big influence on that. So many, so many amazing people that have um, contributed to Laban um, has done a lot of work with that Judith Kestenberg. So they're all kind of underneath the dance movement therapy uh, organization. So my belief is that you can benefit from dance therapy, even if you don't know how to dance. 
and that you can benefit from dance therapy even if you're in a wheelchair. For instance, this past weekend in Wisconsin, there was a woman in a wheelchair, and we danced together because she could dance with her hands and her arms. Absolutely. Yep. So dancing, it's not – it's unfortunate that it has the word dance in it because it's really about movement. It's really about allowing the flow – of your cellular being to, to move. And that could be just simply with your eyeballs. It could simply be with just thinking about moving. Um, so movement, uh, our body has its own memory. And so our body holds all of our memories inside. So our brain can compartmentalize, right? And kind of go, I'm going to put that aside and not think about that, but our body has a memory of it. And so when we begin to move it, we're going to begin to open up, um, avenues and Pandora's box to uh, having access to our emotions and feelings uh, in the same way that all of our senses do that, which is where the forest therapy is really useful about introducing all of our senses, you know, eyesight, smell, touch, taste, um, intuition, that knowing inside of us that allows us to uh, know who our authentic self is. So, if if you had your way, you would change it from dance therapy to movement therapy, reminding us all that any part of our body that we could move can be used in movement therapy, and even just moving our eyes can be enough. Yeah. Mhm. I know that. Yeah. Like to me, Tai Chi is movement therapy. Mhm. And yep. that. Yeah. China they bring people out to the courtyard to watch the people doing Tai Chi if they are, for some reason, unable to join, and they believe that watching the Tai Chi is therapeutic. It, 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 yeah, absolutely. Watching movement can be therapeutic. It's also kind of knowing that, you know, when you think about dance movement therapy, when you think about dance, think about the, the fluidity of it, right, so that there's, so there is no right or wrong way to move. You know, Tai Chi is a certain way of moving, a certain movement patterns to it that are lovely as, as there is in yoga and different dance forms. When we think about dance movement therapy, it's allowing someone to move from their authentic sense of self. So being able to really tap into how do, at this given moment, does their authentic self want to move and moving from that place. And that allows the expression of, of true emotion and understanding of what is or is not uh, integrated into your being. So there's a, there's a way of just being attuning, right? Attuning to another person as a, as a therapist, I'm going to attune to how my client is moving and be able to move with them and then be able to take them to wherever they need to go. Uh, Oh, what a lovely, lovely image. I find art therapy and dance therapy to be really fast tracks for helping people move into more difficult emotions that they've learned to kind of talk their way around. Absolutely. Yeah, you got it. So, yeah, that's the that's the beauty of all of this um, uh, work. And I think the way that, that that's, that's important for me that makes my work a little a little different is that I, I, I would say that it's therapist-directed instead of client-directed. And what I mean by that is if I'm working with someone with, with trauma or um, a, a fragile sense of who they are, then they're needing structure and safety to feel safe. 
And to be able to do that, I need to have the presence of being able to hold that space for them and to be able to create that boundary and container for them. So therefore, it's my job to do that as the therapist, and that means that I'm a therapist directed. I am creating that space and holding that space so that the client can do what it is that they need to do. And sometimes traditional therapy is more about letting the client come in and do and and lead the therapy session, which is not necessarily can be very productive if the client knows who they are and knows what they want to address. But when you're dealing with someone who has the sense of of the world and security and safety and how they fit into it has been disrupted, then it's my job as a therapist to create that safe container. Um, so it's a little, so that's integrating all of these different components of modalities to be able to meet the client where they're at to be able to do that. And that, I think, moves me to ask you about reactive attachment therapy. Okay, yes. So reactive attachment um, disorder is basically a disruption in the fir- from conception through the first three years of life where there's been a disruption in the uh, natural bonding and attachment developmental process that takes place. Um, and therefore, somehow in utero, through the birth, through the first three years, typically through the first three years of life, although we're beginning to see that more and more impact on how the mother is feeling through her pregnancy impacts that child. Um, really allows a sense of security and gives it lays down the neurons in the brain to be able to know or not know if they can trust the world. Is, is am I loved? Am I am I wanted? Uh, is there someone going to be there to hold me and contain me and make me feel safe and feed me? And when there's disruption in that and that doesn't take place then we have then we're reacting to that disruption, and that's what we call reactive attachment therapy, uh, reactive attachment disorder. And so, reactive attachment therapy is going. It doesn't matter what age the child is when they come into my office. It's a matter of kind of helping them reprogram and um, redo those developmental patterns that they didn't get, and to help create a healthy parent-child relationship, so that the child doesn't have to feel like a feral animal that can only rely on themselves, um, which is a lot of times where you see, and this is, you know, we see this um, with a lot of kids who have been adopted uh, because they, they've, they, for, what, for whatever reason, they've been removed from their biological mother. And so there's a, there's a disruption in that attachment. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so there are actual ways to help these children um, establish those neuronal pathways that they didn't lay down at the right time developmentally and to find some sense of safety and security. Right, yes, absolutely. And that's, that's the beauty of, 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 all of using all the in- integrative modalities to kind of go, for this child and for this parent, how, what is that going to look like? So... Uh. And especially that there are ways for children to do that without the actual parents there. Right. There, there needs to be a um, a primary care person there. It doesn't, you know, can typically it's the adoptive mother. Um, it can be any primary caretaker that that's taking the claim of 
I am responsible and, 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 and the primary attachment figure for this child. How beautiful. So glad that that's available. And yes. Does that connect in any way to infant developmental movement educator? It does. Yes. Um, so you're seeing how all of these different titles kind of connect to each other, right? Like it's like a little, uh, like a little circus uh, wheel. Um, so yeah, the infant developmental um, uh, educator that I am that that is comes from Bonnie Cohen's work from the body mind centering work, and it really is um, the beauty of understanding how the developmental movement, how we how we uh, how we move, how we learn to go from lying, like just being a lump to being able to lie on our belly and push ourselves up to being able to reach out for what it is we see we want to be able to pull that towards us, to be able to stand, to be able to move and walk. So all those develop, they all kind of build on top of each other. And when some of those uh, steps get, uh, don't happen because children are tied down in their cribs or they're stuck in their car seats for too long or they've just left on their backs and not able they're not picked up and taken care of. Um, they mo- they lose out on these. De- they don't learn how to do those developmental movement patterns, and so there are disruptions in their ability to feel like they have the uh, body uh, strength, not only not physical strength, but mental strength to be able to reach and pull something towards them. Like, what is it that they desire? I see this, I want this, I'm going to go and get that, right? To feel that security and safety to be able to do that, to have the foundation underneath them to be able to do that. So any, so we can do those patterns, developmental movement patterns at any age. Um, and a lot of times if someone's had a car accident or um, they've lost a limb or they've had a traumatic brain injury, redoing those developmental patterns helps to just teach them how to read, you know, how to come back into their body. Uh, So you you might do what we're talking about as infant development with someone who's in their 60s. Yes. 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 Yeah. That they can can relearn that and the brain can reestablish new connections that have been broken by the stroke. Exactly. Exactly. So it's um it's powerful work and it's all it's all about moving. All about moving. <laughs> all about now, that in yeah, all that integration. Yeah, yeah, I want to talk some more about forest therapy, and okay. I want to talk some more about forest therapy. But before you do that, I want people to know where they can get in touch with you, Tracy Turner Kaiser, and what they will find when they get in touch with you. Good. Do you have a website or? Um, I do. Thanks for asking. I do have a website. Um, it's um. It's just www.fullcirclefamilycounseling.com. And on that website, they should find out, they should be able to see lots of information on who I am and what I do. Uh, And I do have a Facebook page as well, which is Full Circle Family Counseling. Uh, All right. I have a lot of. Yeah, I have a lot of podcasts on what attachment disorder is and what and more detail and all that stuff. So if they're really interested, they could they could go on my website and and pull down a lot of information on it. Oh, fabulous! So full circle family counseling, both you got it, and your Facebook full circle family counseling, and that will connect you to Tracy 
Turner Kaiser. Okay, please tell us more. I'm so excited to know. Good. Breast therapy has made it to the United States. I know it is so exciting, isn't it? It's such a lovely. It's such a, and it's so wonderful, especially in today's age when we are just doing so much damage and clear cutting to our environment. And, um, and I think probably just kind of speaks to you, Susan, a little bit about your passion of knowing that, uh, you know, nature isn't separate from us. We are nature, and and our ancestors are nature. Like I truly believe that my ancestors are the trees and that all of our ancestors are trees and that, um, and that what we breathe out is what they breathe in and what we, they breathe out is what we breathe in. And that the reciprocalness of relationship is what is the beauty of, of, and the ease and grace of being able to have this expansive quality of that. There's more than enough to go around. And yet when we disconnect from that, right, then we begin to feel that sense of scarcity and that there's not enough to go around and we have to be competitive and we have to claim this as our own. And therefore, when we claim something as our own, we begin to be destructive of what is not ours. And I think that's, and that becomes, um, and then we, we begin to like really kind of do a lot of destruction, destruction, which we're seeing in our environment and world at this point. Um, so I'm really glad that forest therapy is being introduced and that people are getting really excited because forest therapy is a way of connecting to the forest and the trees and giving our nervous system a chance to relax and come into that parasympathetic place of just surrendering into our backspace so that we can connect not through our mind but through our senses to what it is that we have forgotten to remember, which is that we are that the trees are our ancestors and we are our own ancestors. And if we're not taking care of ourselves and each other, we, um, you know, destruction is taking place. Um, so that's kind of, that's my soapbox um, nutshell on forest therapy. <laughs> you know, for the past five years, the forests across the planet have increased. That's nice to know. And that is good. And um, unfortunately, um, right now in North Carolina, we're we're in Chatham County. We're really struggling with um, trying to fight for not cutting down all of our trees. So, um, and uh, why, do they not, want, why do they want to cut down all your trees? Uh, they want to bring in um, they want to bring in uh, um, the Chatham Park, which is basically kind of making our town much much bigger and bringing in new new development and new houses and and you know making it making our small town into a little city. Uh, so. Uh, uh-huh. Well, yeah. I'll tell you from my experience in fighting the powers that be, their Achilles heel is always money. Yeah. We had a, a very lovely um, place that was owned by some lovely people in Woodstock, their private residence, but they had quite a bit of land, and it was near to town. It wasn't right in the heart of town, but it's near to them, really right on the outskirts of, right in the outskirts of the in, inner part of town, one might say. And they had, a, you know, over 100 acres of property. And when they died, they left their house and their property to their children, um, who I believe were three or four, who decided none of them wanted it, and they were just going to... All right. Right? And of course, yeah. it was bought by a developer. Yep, yep. It was just yeah. going to developed into all of these things, and those of us who did not want to see the property broken up sat down and actually ran the numbers. If 
this many houses are built here, it will cost this much more for the sewer and this much more for the police and this much more for the schools and this much more. And everybody's taxes will go up this much more. And right. all get together and buy this land at a reasonable price from these heirs for the town of Woodstock, mm-hmm. then we as the people of Woodstock will all have access to it. And there's now a summer Shakespeare festival there. The town offices are there. There's a Woodstock museum there. There's a dog park there. There's a soccer field there. We're using yeah. it. Yeah. Became, yep. and became yeah. our town's way of saying no to development and yes to us. So it's good to know that that's, that's possible, and we're working on that here in Chatham County, and I think that forest therapy in general kind of uh, helps each person to awaken to how we are all connected to nature and how we are nature, and that when we begin to fall in love with the trees, then we're more likely to be protective of what we love. So, um, so and what, it's, um, it's, what I'm saying is if you can make it, if you can show how financially beneficial it will be, because it turned out that over a 10-year span, buying the property for the town, moving the town off there, and having all these, these things there, saved the town millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Right, and yes. developers are saying, look, we're going to bring these people in. It'll be good for business. There'll be more jobs. There'll be more money. It's all being done on finances. The only way to be heard is to talk money. Yes, right, it is. It is. So I appreciate that. Thank you for I agree. that reminder. Nice if they saw that nature was important, but it's unlikely. But yeah, believe that money is important, and we can show them that our way – is a better way in terms of money. As a matter of fact, one of the very first things I did when I moved to the land that I'm living on now in 1978 was to create a group of people to counter plans for a nuclear power plant, which was like... Mm-hmm. And again, the way that we won was to show them that it would be cheaper to invest in um, conservation than in a nuclear power plant. And yeah. yeah. York State, ever since then, you know, that's been decades, has led the nation in energy conservation. And we were right. They didn't need that nuclear power plant. They were being told they needed it because electricity use was going to increase. And we showed them that with conservation, electricity use could double, and they still wouldn't need that. Yeah, so it's, it's it's lovely to see how that's that's possible. And you're right, money is power, and we can talk to you know we can find ways to um, find that common ground, right? To find be that able to get yeah, yep. For you, and I suspect you will get what you want. Yes. So, what would you say your take-home message is? My, that's a good question. I think my take-home message is, is knowing that um, joy is always attainable. Um, and, you know, and we think about, like, what, you know, like, to at this given moment, what would bring me the most joy? To be able to give ourselves the, the, um, the permission to ask that question and to have the, to be able to have the, to, the sense of curiosity, to be able to kind of go, anything is possible. And that sounds so good. But it's not about happiness and it's not about peace and it's not about creating happiness or peace because that's just where as human beings, we're really, really messy. And um, 
I'm not sure that we are, as human beings, are about peace and happiness. I think we're much more about finding that sense of joy, that ability to have that spontaneity of expansive curiosity. So I think, you know, that's sort of like my work and my message of being able to give someone permission at this given moment with where you're at and everything that you've gone through and everything that lies in between all every breath you take in and every breath you take out, how can I assist you in being able to find at this given moment what would bring you the most joy? Um, so it's not really about healing um, someone from that, other than it is being able to witness and give them space in a container to be able to, for them to be able to tell their story so that they feel seen so that they can become their own fire and not have to rely on me to be that fire for them. Beautiful. Each one of the books that I've written, I have chosen a word to be the guiding word for the book. And that, well, I'm working on the book, I'm utilizing that word and thinking about that book. And then as I gather people to help me promote and publicize the book, I share that word with them. In my new book coming out this fall, the word that we're using, my focus word, which I have been using for it all along is a word that you have used over and over again tonight, and that's curiosity. Mm-hmm. Curiosity, and yes. Curiosity is such a a wonderful quality to have at any time at all in our life, and that opening up that curiosity for each other is a very powerful and very loving gift. It is, and when we disconnect ourselves from nature and when we disconnect ourselves from what moves within us, uh, we, we kill our curiosity. And so I, I think that there any way that we can still and aw- awaken that curiosity is going to be helpful. So I appreciate you writing about it. Yeah. Well, not e- I'm not even specifically writing about curiosity. It's simply our guiding word. The book covers yeah. a huge amount of things. And I'm not sure that I even mentioned the word curiosity in the book. At all, interestingly enough. This is Susan yeah. Lee talking with Tracy Turner Kaiser. The best way to find her is at Full Circle Family Counseling. Tracy, thank you so much for being on the show tonight and for the work that you're doing to help reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. It's such important and heartfelt work. I really thank you. Thank you, Rebecca for finding Tracy, and thank you, Marcy, for standing in for Rebecca while she has exciting adventures. And thank each and every one of you for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Good night, and green blessings, everybody. Green blessings. Good night.